Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we are encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we will be hearing from Dr. Everett Berry. Dr. Berry is a native Texan born and raised in Fort Worth. He received his undergraduate degree from Arlington Baptist College, his MDiv from Criswell College in 1998, and his PhD in theology from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky in 2003. He started teaching at Criswell in 2004 and has served as the editor of the Criswell Theological Review since 2012. Without further ado, Dr. Everett Berry. Right out of the gate, uh, we're in John chapter 9 today. John chapter 9. It's always a pleasure and joy to be with you uh, in chapel and to be able to share God's Word with you. Now, I'm going to confess, it wasn't just a few semesters ago I did this chapter, but then Luis was contacting us for this semester and said, hey, Dr. Barry, would you do Light of the World in John 8, 12 and John 9? Okay, so if you were here a few semesters ago, you may go, wait a minute, I think I've heard this before. So it's Luis's fault, not mine. Luis, where's Luis so I can pick on him? Oh, he left because he's already heard it. That's it. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. All right, so uh, we're in chapel. We're doing, has, has one already been done, Jeremy? Has there already been one? on? Uh, okay, so, okay, so we're here we're doing uh, one. They, what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the light of the world? He mentions it briefly in John 8, verse 12. But the moment he says it, there is constant conflict and tension because basically what happens is, when Jesus says that, it's like a student writing a research paper and never quoting a source the entire paper. It's just, I said it, so that's the only footnote that you need. And the religious leaders and Pharisees go, wait a minute, you, you can't just authenticate yourself. You've got to quote somebody. And so Jesus says, okay, my father, the one who sent me. No, 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 that doesn't work either. And so it's, there's a lot of drama through the rest of the chapter. And then chapter 9, Jesus is going to illustrate what does it mean when he says that he is the light of the world. And he's going to perform, for me, he's going to perform my favorite miracle in all the Gospels, obviously with the resurrection as an exception, right? But the one he performs to someone else, because when he, create, when he does this, when you get a Baptist church business meeting, level of conflict with this miracle, and I love drama, right? So, chapter 9, very quickly now. Chapter 9, we're going to rapid fire go through this story and just highlight the basic gist of what Jesus means. Because we think, okay, Jesus is the light of the world. That means that he brings illumination so that people can see their need and believe. And here's the thing, that's only part of what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world. So, John 9, verse 1, Jesus is uh, long. And again, also, I feel kind of unclean. I forgot my Bibles at home. 
You know, you have it on your phone, you don't think about it, and I'm preaching in chapel, I didn't bring it, so I borrowed a, a Bible from a colleague, and it's an NIV. I've never preached from an NIV that I can remember, so I apologize, and it's a life application study Bible. Why do you need somebody to help you with life application when you read? So I apologize. So John 9, verse 1, as Jesus goes along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, teacher, rabbi, who sinned that this man or his, this man or his parents that he would be born blind? And, and we could just stop right there and just go over. These disciples surely know the book of Job. They know that that's not always a safe assumption to make, right? And it's pretty cold-hearted. The man's born blind. Who sinned this man or his parent? This man, if the man was born blind, how do you get judged with blindness for your own sin? That's, I mean, is there like a future retroactive judgment God does on people? He knows you're going to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and so at birth you're cursed with blindness. Is that the way it works? Or a Chicago Bears fan? I have a colleague who's a Bears fan. I mean, is that the way? I mean, this is, there's just all kinds of problems here. There has to be somebody who sinned that this guy would be born blind. And Jesus, I'm sure in the original text, it says, and face-palming and shaking his head, Jesus answers the disciples, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, again, his point's not that they're not sinners, but there's no sin where, where the Lord looked down and said, okay, this guy's going to be blind because of A or B. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now, here's, we read that and go, amen. This man was born blind for this moment to be a testimony. Amen. Yeah, you're amening if you're not the man born blind. But you're born blind. We don't know how old he is. Is he in his 20s? Is he a teenager? Is he in his 30s? Is he in his <clears throat> older? You know, we don't know. Born blind. For this moment. And verse 4, Jesus says, As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while, and here's where you have the phrase in the chapter, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, Jesus, what do you mean by that? I mean, light is an important theme in John's gospel. It's an important theme in his other writings. And it's a massive theme in the Old Testament. What do you mean here, Rabbi? Well, Jesus, like a good professor, well, let me show you what I mean. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with, the, with his spit, and put it on the man's eyes. Okay, why is he doing this? Well, as we'll see, he's at least doing it because in this miracle, Jesus is actually going to step away. He doesn't just lay hands on him, give his sight, so that then the man can thank him like in other accounts. No, 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 no. He's going to heal this guy and let him do apologetics the moment he's healed. He's going to put him out there to have a theological debate with some of his critics. And the only way that can happen is if he steps away so he can illustrate what it means for him to be the light of the world. So, okay, I put this on your eyes. And, I mean, the guy's blind, so he doesn't know Jesus is doing this, which is probably beneficial to him. <clears throat> and so, I want you to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And so, the man went and washed. 
And obviously he washed it away, and when he did, he came home and he could see. But now Jesus is not on the scene. It's like Jesus performed the miracle, and when the guy walks off, Jesus says to the disciples, okay, guys, now watch this. Now you're going to see what it means for me to be the law of the world. So his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, and we never know what the guy's name is. He's the formerly blind guy. There was like a 90s Christian band called Formerly Blind. I don't know if they're still doing their thing, but Formerly Blind guy. Okay, that's, the guy, that's what we know. He would, but everybody knew him. Okay, he was a, he, he, that's all he could do was beg. Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some said, yeah, that's him. Others said, no, 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 no. It's, it's got to be somebody else. He looks like the guy, but it's got to be somebody else. But he himself said, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the one. I'm the guy. And, you know, naturally, verse 10, well, how in tarnation is it that you can see, they demanded. And he said, well, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed, and then I could see. Easy quiz question piece of cake but he has no idea the drama that's been building in Jesus ministry at this point he is clueless all he knows is a few minutes ago he was a beggar who couldn't see has never seen anything his entire life and now he sees colors he sees people he sees the city he sees everything he he's just tickled to be able to see he doesn't know anything about the drama and then verse 12 well where is this guy they said and he said I don't know. How am I supposed to know? I couldn't see him before. He told me to go wash the pool of Siloam, and that's all I know. So now the business meeting commences. They brought him to the deacons. No, I'm sorry, not the deacons. To the Pharisees. To the professors. That's probably a better way. To the professors. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. And when you read the Gospels, you know, you already know what's coming. Verse 14, now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was on the Sabbath. Of course it was. We've seen this movie in all the Gospels. Of, and so if he did it on the Sabbath, you think Jesus didn't know? Oh, it's a Sabbath. I had no idea. Of course he knew. Of course he knew. Jesus had a Ph.D. in stirring things up. I mean, he had multiple Ph.D.s, but that was definitely one of them. And so, therefore, the Pharisees asked him, well, how uh, he had received his sight. And so the guy said, well, he put mud on my eyes. The mud man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Notice the, the, the testimony is getting a little shorter. But it's the same story. In verse 16, well, see, some of the Pharisees said, well, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Okay, whatever is going on here, it can't be legit because he did it on the wrong day of the week. God doesn't heal on the day of rest. God doesn't give rest on the day of rest. Yeah, okay. I mean, I just wish I could know what was going on in this poor man's head at, the, at this point, trying to figure out how in the world are these people not happy? Poor and now, and now we're going on about Shabbat. Okay, so 
Others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Previously in chapter 8, there was accusations of Jesus being a sinner, and Jesus is making accusations or making charges. It was a mess in chapter 8. And so now chapter 9, the guy gets caught in the collateral, the, the, the crossfire. They, they turned against the blind man. Verse 17. What had you to say about him? It was your eyes that were opened. Can't you give the guy a little bit of grace? I and mean, his eyes are still adjusting to the sun. I mean, what? <laughs> you want me to tell you what I think about the guy who healed me? So, I mean, scratching. I don't know what his tone is in this response. I don't know if he's saying, he is a prophet. Or maybe he is a prophet. Or he's a prophet. I mean, but he says, he's a prophet. And that makes things worse. Verse 16, the Jews still not, didn't believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. Until... They had sent his parents to come in. Is this your son, they asked. And the, is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he now can see? In verse 20, well, we know, yeah, he's our son. That's Junior. Parents answered, and we know he was born blind. I'm sure mom was very well aware he was born blind. I'm sure dad was very well aware of that. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. But you, you find out why they're being so sheepish here. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And that was why his parents said he's of age, ask him. So there's fear involved here. Because it's not just that somebody healed this blind man. It's this Nazarene who's causing drama in Jerusalem and the whole region of Judea and Galilee that did it. On the wrong day. <laughs> and so a second time, verse 24, they summoned the man who had been born blind Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And so now, verse 25, now the blind man, he's starting to get a little exasperated. I give him an A for patience here. Look, whether, verse 25, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind a little while ago, and now I'm in here having a conversation with you, and I can see. I was blind, in the dark. Now the lights are turned on. I can see. A lot of the world done in it. People who can't see can now see. Then verse 26, then they asked him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Haven't we already been down this trail? I mean, this is worse than Congress trying to vote on the Speaker of the House. I mean, what, how many times do I have to go through this? He says, verse 27, like, I already told you and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And I'm, it, I'm really at a loss to think that maybe this guy might have a little bit of sarcasm or at least he's exasperated when he says, do you want to become his disciples too? I mean, you must be really intrigued by this guy if you keep asking the same question because you want to, do you want to perform the same miracle or you want to have the same authority? Maybe, I, I don't know whether it's, interest or intrigue or is he starting to 
get more than his sight back, he's starting to get a little bit of adrenaline here. I'm not sure. And then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Now, verse 30, I'm pretty sure that he's fighting back a little bit. Verse 30, the man answered. Now, again, this guy is a beggar. <laughs> Just a beggar on the streets that's been blind. Now he's talking to these, these religious elites. The man answered. Now, that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. And we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. And if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. Notice they say the same thing the disciples assumed at the beginning of the account. How dare you lecture us? I'm only answering your question. And they threw him out. Lo and behold, now Jesus comes back into the show. Verse 35, Jesus heard that, he, uh, that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, now he goes and he finds him. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind, formerly blind man says, well, who is he? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. And then verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. See, Jesus being the light of the world has two dynamics to it. On the one hand, Jesus, as the light of the world, gives illumination so that people can see their need and see the solution. The man has his sight given to him so he can see, and eventually his sight is so clear, even the Pharisees can't confound him. And his, his, test, his testimony is not complicated. I was blind from birth, this guy came by, now I can see. You may be, it's possible you could have given him an eye test. He may have had better vision physically than some of the Pharisees. No contact needed, no glasses needed, no bifocals, trifocals, no focals needed. Who knows? But there's a flip side to Jesus being the light of the world. And you're very well aware of it if you drive for any amount of time in Texas because everything's flat, or at least in the Metroplex. When you have to drive to work or home from work into the sun, that is just a miserable thing to do, to have to drive wherever into the sun. <clears throat> because for me, it doesn't matter where that car visor goes, the bottom of that sun always peaks at the bottom. So you're doing this. And then it's really a pain when you're out of light. And the, you, you can't look at the light when it's red, yellow, or green because the sun just right there. So you have to look at the lights on the other side to know when they turn yellow and green. So then you get an idea of when to go. Why is that? Because if light is too bright, it can blind. And so Jesus being the light of the world, sometimes when he shines on people, they see the beauty of the Savior, they embrace him because they can see. But others don't 
because they don't want others to see what they love. Some people, when they see the light, they love the source. Other people, when they see the light, it exposes what they love that they don't want to let go of. So the song you used to sing as a kid, and no, I will not make you sing it, and I will not sing it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, shine your light so people will come to Jesus. Amen. But you just need to know that sometimes when you shine the light, it will do just the opposite. There will be people that will be even blinder when you shine it. Because they love what's being exposed. John says this, men love darkness rather than light. And the last thing sometimes people want is to have, a, be, have illumination, a spotlight on it, because they have no intentions of getting out of that darkness. And when you shine the light, they're blinded by it, and they're not going to embrace it. So you have a formerly blind, formerly blind man who's, hey, oh, I can see, and worship, and others, it's a Nazarene who healed on the Sabbath. He's a sinner. Fire him. Kick him out. How in the world did that happen? Because the light of the world does both. Gives sight to some and blinds others. And so when you shine your light, I have loving people and I'm sharing with people and I'm trying to minister to people. And there's some people that the more I love, the more I shine, the more they resist. Welcome to following Jesus. Welcome to understanding the dynamics of life. Some people will receive and see, and it's awesome. And others won't. Why is that? That's another set of sermons or lectures for another day, and some of the answer is above my pay grade. Okay. But just recognize that sometimes you think, well, if I just shine a little more and love a little more, people will see. Possibly. But some won't. Well, maybe if I dim the light and not be as offensive, maybe people will see. You're never told to dim. Ever. Told to shine as brightly as you can to use the, as the light of the world. Some will come. Some will shine. Okay. But all of us here, hopefully, are like that man. We're, we were all born blind. Maybe not these eyes. Right? But there are tons of people who have eyes like this that can see with these that are blind. All around us. And they need the light of the gospel to shine. And when it does, some people will wash and see, and some will even come to Crystal College, right? But others will see it and say, nah, he did it on the wrong day. Nah, he said, no, no, that's, that's right. No. They're always going to have a good excuse why the light is too bright. It's kind of like in here right now. I don't know of many people in here that might say, man, it is too hot in here. I'm burning up. But I guarantee you there's at least one that would. I don't know who. It's not me today. But there's always something that's just too hot. It can be freezing. Oh, it's just too hot. It's too hot. But then others, it can be perfect. It's too cold. It's too. Thermostats are different. Spiritual thermostats are different. The Jesus light shines and they embrace. Others, that's too bright. Our job is to shine, let the light of the world shine through us, and let the Lord give sight. Or blind. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for its truth. Lord, we thank you that every one of us, we were all born blind. We were all born 
driven by what we think we could see, but actually what happened is one day you gave us sight and we were able to realize and recognize that we could see nothing, nothing of value. And you healed us, you restored us. And I pray that the same grace and mercy that you extended to us, that you would always enable us by the Spirit to extend it to others so that they can see as well. For it's in Jesus' name, the light of the world that we pray. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.